Welcome to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. Our purpose is to have fun talking about small businesses. We define that from 1 to 25 employees. Along the way, we're going to give you knowledge and tools to succeed with your small businesses, even if you're just starting or you've been around for a while. I'm here with my business partner, long time standing. We've been together 15 years. Uh, his name is Adam Sunhalder, and today we have a, a very, very special guest, and we're looking forward to talking with her. Yes, we do, Jack. Uh, it's a good, happy Monday here. We're here uh, live in the studio as we are every Monday, and we'd love to have you part of the show. And if our guest here, we're going to give her most of the time, but if you have some questions or thoughts or things you'd like to share, you're more than welcome to join us. Our number here in the studio is 440-946-9468, 440-946-WINT. And if you can still find those numbers or the, how the letters correspond to those numbers. Uh, sometimes I have to go back and look. It's it's hard to figure out, but usually it's more easy to recall that. So our, we have a guest today on our show, and uh, he's been gracious enough to, to, to grace us with, with her presence, is Marsha Pledger. Uh, many of you here locally in Cleveland may know her. She's, had, uh, she's been a reporter on the business front for, for a long time and had, an, uh, had a series that went on for about 10 years called My Biggest Mistake. And over that time, she had the opportunity to talk to uh, about 450 entrepreneurs. And it, you can imagine she's very persuasive because she got those folks to <laughs> open up and share their stories. And uh, one of those entrepreneurs she actually she interviewed was my dad. I interviewed him uh, you know, probably halfway through the you know doing the series. Yeah. And uh, I remember seeing you know he, he you know, I'm sure many of them did too. He he had a plaque of it in, in his office and yeah. you know, kind of put it put it up on his wall. It was, it was like a a badge of honor for many of the folks to be part of that to be part of that uh, um, uh, that series. And then it eventually became a book as well. And so we, we've asked Marsha to kind of join us here today. And we want to kind of get a chance to kind of dig into some of those stories. But also there are some stories that maybe haven't been told or some backstories of stuff that's kind of there. But again, you know, she's talked to not quite as many entrepreneurs as Jack and I have, but you know, pretty darn close and have some oh, good yeah. stories here to be able to share and talk about. And, and we thought our audience would, would have a lot of uh, fun hearing some of the stories that she has to share. So We want to get the dirty secrets out of oh, you, Marcia. really? Those real dirty secrets that no one's ever heard about. Well, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> hey, <laughs> glad to have you. Really are. You know, just uh, it's a big pleasure for us because you're right, right as they say in our wheelhouse. All right. You deal with a lot of companies that uh, we also deal with. Maybe even some of the same ones, well, like Adam's dad. Yeah. So, so you guys have done a lot of... Uh, it's, it feels weird, first of all, that I'm on the opposite end. You guys asking me ah, questions. Ah, I'm used, you're to, used to being the one interviewing. Right, asking that's questions, right, that's but right. I can do this. I can do this. We have to get that spotlight <laughs> shine on her pretty good, Jack. Make sure uh, it starts to sweat here. Well, I had a chance to I had a chance to do, do a brief introduction for you, but if you wanted to kind of give us a little bit uh, of a background and, and and kind of how your your interest in small business came about and how it kind of evolved into the My Biggest Mistake series. Sure. So I've been a business journalist for probably 90% of my career, and um, I've covered a little bit of everything from corporate America to manufacturing, retail, technology, and um, the list goes on. And, you know, small business has always been a passion for me, though. And um, I've also had long-time columns and series. Um, the most successful one was in terms of longevity, for sure, and readership was uh, my biggest mistake and how I fixed it. Uh, I've also had a business etiquette column, so I've been, a, been a, doing this a long time. But the reason I enjoy writing about my biggest, well, small business in general. It's because, you know, everybody says they're the backbone of the country, and it's true, you know, but what does that really mean, you know? Um, depends on whose definition. You guys 
just focus on what, 25 and under, you said? Correct. And that, and my column tended to focus on 50 and under, you know. But the Small Business Administration, their definition is what, 500. 500 so, that, right. so I guess it will be the backbone. It's everybody. You need, you it's need all the, the definition, that's for sure. Or else you're talking, you know, 500 is a pretty big company. That's sure. everybody. That's virtually all companies. But if you narrow it down to like 50 employees and under, then that's still about half the country. You know, so small business is so important. And there's not many, um, and then probably a third of that workforce. But it's not many, it's hard to write about small business. And so that's how my biggest mistake came about. Because if you think about it, with corporations, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, when you think about it, you know, it's it's hard. <laughs> I told you it's not my world. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're when doing you, fine. <laughs> when you cover corporations, it's, it's, it's easy because, well, still a lot of layers, but the bottom line is there's numbers are out there, you know. Um, you got analysts to follow it, you know, so you can always, you know, they follow the industry or the companies. But when you're talking to a small business, how do you really write it about it? Unless, there's, unless it's news that breaks, bad or good, how do you really cover a small business? And so my biggest mistake is an opportunity to, for, so people can learn from each other. Right. Well, you said a good point too. You, the, 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 you know, everybody knows that's my biggest mistake. But your point is the second part of it, and, and how I fixed it, right? Which is well, that's the whole mean. point. Yeah, because yeah. no one would t- talk to me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me tell you how, how I screwed up. You want to, you want to know the, my biggest mistake this week or this month or exactly. you know, when do you want to know it from, right? So, so the, the ability to kind of you know, engage the, the owners, which, which Jack and I know, it, I think what happens is people. Often have trouble talking to the owners of small companies to be able to kind of talk about it. But if you're sincere with them, it's amazing. And if you've been there and you you, you understand them, it's amazing how quickly those walls come down. So you know, and uh, you know, I got to believe when, when people got your phone call, it wasn't like you were targeting them. And you know, did, 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 you know I'm curious too. You know, how did you find them? Did you just you, know, you just start yeah, what, on what, doors? What determines <laughs> what determines a good newsworthy story? Yeah. How, how did I find them? That's Let's just say, just because I interviewed more than 450 entrepreneurs didn't mean I didn't get a ton of rejection. You know, trust <laughs> okay. and believe. So it's not, it is called my biggest mistake. I don't care if they all had happy endings or not. You know, it's, it's not easy to, to share, you right. know. And so how I found them, I just basically, you know, like to talk to a lot of people in different industries. And I figured if you've been in business for at least five years, then, you know, you got something to share, you know. And because if you're too young in business, you don't have enough time to fix it, right. you know. Um, but then if you want to, but technically, I've been doing a column for several years before I realized actually that was one of my biggest mistakes because, um, you know, when you cover technology, it's a whole different world than covering, you know, a, a field like, I don't know, real estate, manufacturing, any, any other field. You have to, you fail fast. And so I had this big thing, you know, how many, if you've been in business, what's the stat, you know, if you... Most business don't make it half five years. Five years, yeah, but then five years, usually half to, to 80% close up shop that quickly. Right. So, yeah, so I had years. that thing in my head, but I had to change my ways and realize that if you're a tech company, you, you've probably failed a lot sooner. So right. I, I, I started talk, changing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chances are if they start a company today in technology, by five years, that company they started often doesn't you know even look anything like what they started because things have evolved so quickly or the technology itself is, has developed and evolved. Oh, yeah. John Knefik was one of those stories. Um, um, he had a company called Decision De- He has a company called Decision Desk. And it's basically a retru- recruitment firm for universities to screen talent. But yeah. it started off totally different two years earlier and making no money. You know, um, called Citizens Group was supposed to be a social media platform. So his mistake was not listening to the customers because here these universities were like, yeah, we'll let you try it out here. But do you think you could tweak that and... You know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I want to do, I'm trying to push my product. And finally, when he started listening to paying customers as of getting paid nothing, he had 50 universities within a year. 
No kidding. Okay. So, yeah, when when do you when do you start to define not you personally yeah. but a small business owner? When does he start to define that it's time to change the direction of the company? It's it's if that's done consciously, that's a good thing. But quite frankly, they just often evolve. They just start out with something like we're saying and they two, three years later they're doing something else. And then all of a sudden it looks like it makes sense. And that's what they dig in, and that's what their company becomes. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not unusual um, for the owners to really fall in love with their product or service, uh, especially true for more of the technology-related folks or engineers. Yeah. Uh, we have yet to meet, whether it be a, a mechanical or, or electrical engineer, but most of them have some sort of patents. Okay. And But unfortunately, from their standpoint, what happens is those patents usually get you know framed and put up on the wall, or they put them in, you know, somewhere collecting dust, they aren't collecting revenue dollars usually. That's the thing. It's like that's an interesting idea, but how do you make a business exactly. out of it, right? So your point, so that, you know, you know, this guy John, you're talking about. Hey, well, I, I know you, you you love your product, but the market, it's over here saying, hey, we really we'd like to pay you for this, right? Exactly. And he's going, wait a minute, oh, yeah. wait. No. Exactly. So we find what goes, hey, let's listen to the market, and it's often solving a problem. Yeah, it's all a problem, and it's often not as it's often not as obvious as that either. But he, you know, the guys, yeah. they say, hey, this is we're happy to give you money for this. Okay, so usually most entrepreneurs say, okay, well. That's what you try to figure out, especially early on. Well, what, what, what can you what can you give away? If you can't give it away, that's always a, that's always a bad sign, <laughs> right? Right. right. right? <laughs> so yeah, if, if if I can give it away, then okay, now will somebody pay me for it? Right. So if I can't even give the thing away. Okay, so that's got no value at all. Let's make sure I you know find something different. So market research is very very important to be able to have. So I'm sure you, you probably have some common themes too. And I, I know you and Arkley kind of touched on that a little bit in terms of some of the the common themes as far as what you saw over the uh, over your time, kind of writing about that. So I'd like to kind of d- you know delve into that a little bit you know, before we, we we hit break here. I don't know if you have one you want to kind of tease sure. the audience with. So here's one of the biggest mistakes, a couple, couple of biggest up. mistakes. Oh, sure. We'll be back you know, what, sure, one of the biggest uh, mistakes is not planning or not thinking about the what ifs, you know, what could go wrong, you know, not having a plan or trusting people too much Okay. or not trusting enough. Do you, do you see the small business owner really understanding business? After you've gone through hundreds of people, you get the theme down. And when you're interviewing somebody new, do they really understand business? Right. I mean, that's you know, that's something we can talk about on the break as well. Yeah, we we spent early on in, in doing our coaching thing, Marsha. We try to stay away from that P word, plan. Okay. You know, that's one of the dirty words of business. Okay. Plan. It's a four-letter word. People try to stay away from because most people don't plan. Right. It's uh. Well, you guys, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on that because yeah. I got some stories where they could have done a little planning. Yeah, usually, usually they have ideas <laughs> or they're, or they're kind of moving. Just a little. It's got to be fluid, oh. but you got to have some kind of plan. Sure you do. Uh, I don't, I don't you, you do anyway, but you know they don't know it. But there, there's a good way to plan and a bad way to plan. Right. Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's if, if we're hardwired this way or people somehow picked it up as part of their, their growing up that they figure well if, if the plan's not going to be right what's the point of doing it right because we said well, look we, we never put together a plan that's been exactly right it's but it's your best thinking today right here's where i kind of go and here's to your point some of the the what ifs of what could go wrong um so it'd be good when we come back from break we'll touch on that and talk about some of those the, those common themes that, you, that they'd seen in terms of whether it be not planning enough or not or maybe being too trusting with folks it'd be good to hear you know some of those stories so okay stay tuned we'll be back here with marcia pledger i'm adam sonhalter and i'm jack mancini with maximum value partners we're business coaches and we help people we like to to like to say we help people get unstuck from the state of how all these how questions that they have every day, infinite number of how questions. How do we make a plan? How do I hire somebody? How do I fire this customer? How, how, how? We're, we're the experts at getting you unstuck from that state of how. 
Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP. That stands for Most Valuable Player, if you really think about it, and that's what we are. All right. We help business owners, small, not small, four foot two, <laughs> owners of small companies. Help all them get all shapes and sizes. We're non-discriminatory from that standpoint, That's Jack. Right. Right? Hey, if you own a business, <laughs> don't you dare wrestle with all those how questions. You know, call us, honestly. We've helped hundreds and no thousands. We have the solutions. You just give us a call. Mm-hmm. can have a lot of fun with it, too. That's right. You can catch us live here in the studio. We're here right now every Monday from uh, noon to 1 Eastern. The number here in the studio is 440-946-9468. Again, 440-946-WINT. As we said in our first segment, we have a special guest here with us today, and then Marsha Pledger is sticking around with us here. And we, we were talking about, as we went to break, about a couple of common themes in the 450-plus entrepreneurs she talked to in terms of a couple of them. She mentioned two of them. One was in terms of planning, um, whether you know they should do it or how to do it or not doing it. And then the, the other one was kind of trust. Uh, whether not you're trusting asking for too help. That's another asking. big one. All right. So why don't you give us a couple different stories? I, I know you got some good stories you can kind of share with us, and maybe you don't need to give the names. It's okay. But you know, some some good some good stories about folks. And maybe again, where they, uh, where sure. They I'll give you one on trust. Uh, one comes to mind. It was a, a woman who had been in business for a decade herself, owning a dry cleaners, and she needed a new challenge. You know, a lot of mistakes, as you know, happen with the growth phase, and so um, she had been going as a customer, going to an Asian grocery store for about that long, about a decade, three or four times a, you know, three or four times a month. So she thought she knew the guy she was buying the business from. And um, she didn't do her due diligence because she trusted the guy. Mm -hmm. And what she thought she was buying was Goodwill, you know, the customer. She, I mean, she had been in there a few times a month for a decade herself as a customer. And all she did was buy a bunch of headaches. She didn't do any due diligence. And um, when she got that business, it had, it was just so many headaches. It was everything from the vendors. Um, he had a bad reputation, a lot of debt. She hadn't checked any of that out. Um, even the landlord was a challenge. She, two months later, she found herself moved because he didn't want to, they wouldn't renew the lease. And the list goes on. Then the name had to be changed. And then within a year, the partner left her, you know, and yeah, she turned it around, but it, it wow. wasn't easy. That's, a tr- that's one an example of a trust. Did she, did she write a big check to get into that thing? I mean, she paid, the, paid this former owner, and he kind of went, went yeah. away and left all, all his troubles. Oh, yeah. sounds pretty Boy, similar. You know, I, I think it sounds similar to a story we heard when we first started doing this. There was a guy, he bought a company as a box manufacturer, and the, it was the second generation, and the, the, the son was selling it to him. And it was steady. You know, he, he he did some diligence. You know, it was pretty steady. Maybe you know, maybe doing half a million or so in sales a year for the last ten years, and you know, doing nice steady cash flow. A couple of things he didn't tell him though. One was that his biggest customer was building a a box manufacturing plant next door that they were gonna you know all of a sudden it goes from half a million to three hundred thousand in sales. Mm-hmm. And then there was a bunch of scrap from that guy. Okay, so he had some he had free product to kind of use for other people, right? So all of a sudden he lost a bunch more customers for that. And then the third thing was he 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 had kind of a uh, consulting agreement with the, with the former owner, and he paid him that day one. So the guy showed up day one, and then he didn't show up again. Oh, so he man. started chasing this guy around. So he'd probably been a good story for you. Yeah, for sure. But oh, unfortunately, yeah. he, he didn't he didn't recover. He he, no. We tried to we, we got them to, to a little bit too late. But uh, you know, one of the things that, that Jack and I help a lot of people do is help them go about buying companies, and be able to buy, be able to buy them right. Because you're you're right. If you, if you get into it wrong. It can be tough. So, but it's not like this woman was able to salvage it. You know, all, all the headaches she was going, you know, she went through between having bad vendors, between you know, and uh, relationships with that with, with their landlord, with a bad name in general. Okay, so she was able to salvage all that stuff and still come out ahead. Right. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, it didn't happen overnight. <laughs> no. <Not, well, laughs> <laughs> yeah, she had to make a lot of changes. 
Well, so, if you if you so. if you don't trust somebody, or if you do trust somebody, uh, and you aren't going to be paying a lot of cash down, that's okay. You can yeah. do a deal. You know, right. you don't need a lot of due diligence if that person if that person obviously is is you know trustworthy. And if you're if you're buying a company and you pay a lot of money down and don't do diligence, that's when you get in big trouble. But you right. can buy companies without putting money down. You know right. that? You come across anyone who did that? Mm, not much. Not many. Yeah, <laughs> no. most people don't think of it like that. Right. But you can, you know, if a company's in trouble, you can buy it usually at a pretty good rate and you don't have to guarantee stuff. And uh, there's a lot of opportunities out there like that. All right, so that's that's so that's one in, yeah. in terms of trust. In terms of trusting Tr- trust too, too much, much but right, then okay. a lot of times people don't trust their employees. You know, they it's that small business is their baby, so they are they didn't micromanage too much, and then you run into issues. I've I've seen. Yeah, they don't want to. Part of it is if they don't want to, or they don't know how to let people in. You know, okay. and, and we a lot of clients we talked about this in terms of it starts with like. You know, you mentioned with, with big companies, all of a sudden, all their stuff's out there. Right? You, you mm-hmm. go, you know, pull filings and see how much they're, they're making in terms of revenue and profits, and you can even see what, what the top executives make in terms of salary and bonus, all that kind of stuff. Right. right. Well, small companies, Mm-mm. they tend to hold it very yeah. close to the vest. And what Jack and I discovered it isn't that they're they aren't evil. You know, these you know curmudgeonly old men or women. It's just they don't understand their numbers usually. Okay. Or they don't use them per se. Yeah. And so the last thing you want to do if you're the owner is get up in front of your team, and they're going to ask you a question. No, they're going to be embarrassed. Yeah. They're going to be, right. you know, so they don't, they don't put themselves in that situation, to your point. You know, they hold it close, and they don't like to share. So they become curmudgeonly. They don't really, yeah. and in today's businesses, people want to know. People want to know what's uh, going on. Absolutely. They're not asking did. for help, though. When, when that, I saw that a lot. In terms of themes, uh, in so many different ways, I, I was fortunate to talk to so many humble entrepreneurs because they don't have to talk to me. You know, what do they really get out of it, you right. know, other than goodwill and, and sharing and saving somebody else some, some possible drama? You're still going to make your own mistakes, but, you know, why not? <laughs> what better way to learn from someone else's if you can? But in terms of not planning, I know you guys have a different take on planning, but when I said you could have some planning, you know, I met everybody from people who were, you know, come from privileged backgrounds, let's just say, to, um, you know, or highly, highly educated or, you know, have business passed on to people who, you know, it's one guy that comes to mind who, um, no high school diploma, ex-offender, um, and he told a lot, uh, drugs, uh, and the list goes on, but he started a car detailing business. And he didn't want people to know he, what he didn't know. So, you know, everything from paying people under the table to not incorporating right, you know, until a couple of years that you got fines and the list goes on and on and on. And the big thing was he didn't, he was, he didn't want to, it was the opposite end. He didn't want anybody to know what you didn't know. He, none of us know. We, we, none of us know what we <laughs> don't know. That, that's right. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, it's very perplexing, you know. You don't know what you don't know. So where do you start? Yeah, and he finally started hanging out with successful business owners and, and reaching out for help, you know, different small business organizations and just I need help and that's when things turn around for him yeah because usually it's not usually it's not one big fatal mistake or it's a bunch of little things and then it starts to add up and you're like oh wait I've been doing that thing wrong for so many years or you know again it's it's hard yeah we talk to people about having to to respect what they don't know and appreciate Mm -hmm. that that, and it some people learn that faster it's uh I remember we were at lunch (laughs) Early on, we were at some lunch downtown. It was one of those, I think it was like a, a 30 under 30 or 20 under 20 kind of thing. And okay. There were some young 20-year-olds, and it's always fun to watch Jack interact with, with 20-year-olds because often they <laughs> they misunderstand Jack or, or they don't appreciate, you know, the 
the, the great wisdom he's got, right? Yeah. So these, these two are working for, for a pretty good-sized corporation, and they had this yeah. idea that they were trying to share attack in terms of what they are going to do, and they are going to start out their own thing. Well, he asked a couple different questions, and they are kind of some, like kind of blunt. Well, we got that all figured out. You know, we, we, we wrote about this over here, did this. And I, I got dismissed pretty quick, and <laughs> okay. they started talking to themselves, and, and that was it. So that Jack was politely smiled and nodded. So I'm going to go back to my, my, my chicken here, and you know, good luck to you ladies. Hope you, hope you, hope you do well. But uh, until you've been in business for a while and realize and start and really start stubbing your toes all over the place, to realize, that, hey, you know what? Yeah, I, I could figure out on my own in six months, or I could call somebody and they and they can give me the answer in, in six minutes. Why wouldn't I do that to make sure I can keep moving along versus having to figure out by myself? But some folks never figure that out. I'm sure right. many of the folks you you mentioned that you got a lot of rejection for folks who didn't want to talk to you. I'm gonna guess probably most of them are folks who you know weren't able to ask for help. We call them old steel guys. You know, being, okay. being in the Cleveland area, where again it doesn't have to be a man or or, or woman or old or young, but th- their mentality is more that old steel guy, curmudgeonly. Hey, you know, I got it all figured. I I have all the answers, even though they yeah, don't. He yells I have at all people the answers, and right? holds all the information together, and you know, all the all the, the stereotype of the old, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, running companies. Right. You know that kind of person. Right. Yeah, the old steel guys. Right. All right, we have to head, to head to another break here. We're, you know, we're going to stick around this here for the for the for the, for the rest of our show, which should be pretty good. We'll we'll dig into some more of the stories and some of the, some more of the backstories. And okay. then there, there are certain things that people are happy to have you write about, but other ones they might say, "Hey, why don't you keep that kind of off the record between us?" Oh, kind of thing. So, sure. like to share that. We won't kind of put their names out there, but some good stories to kind of dig into. So, stick around. We'll have some more here with Marsha Pledger. I'm Adam Sonhalter, and I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We're business coaches, and we help owners of small businesses get unstuck. From a state of how. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP. We're business coaches. You know, you small business owners out there, do not, I repeat, do not wrestle with all those how questions that you have. Contact us. There's several ways to do that. Let us help you out of the, the, those how dilemmas that I know you're in every day. That's right. So we're here live in the studio with uh, Marsha Pledger. She's a business reporter uh, for Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com, and wrote a long-running article or column called "My Biggest Mistake and How I Fixed It." And she talked to over 450 entrepreneurs as part of that, and she also wrote a book as part of that to kind of share some of those stories. But we're here to get some of the other stories that you can't <laughs> read about in those books. Some of those dirty <laughs> secrets, right. yeah. To to whatever degree we can pry them out of her. Oh, so. you, you know, <laughs> you alluded in some of our discussions prior about, you know, you had stories of people being stuck on a couch after losing a business for weeks until oh, they yeah. kind of, you know, so there's all those kind of backstories we'd like to kind of always, hear, you know, always. some yeah. of your favorites that you kind of heard about that you weren't able to maybe write about, but, you know, you found... Oh, maybe, you may find it interesting, maybe almost kind of well, hard I'll to believe. Well, I'll tell you, that person's name I actually mentioned because okay. he was so amazing, Sal Spagnolia. Uh, he ran a company called uh, uh, Ohio Business Machines, you know, so copy machines. You know how we were talking about yeah, small business, company. you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they imagine um, he, he's so, he was so large that he probably he wouldn't have fit with my my company until he lost everything okay. because he had 450 employees and he helped build that company up the problem was when he got when he took over the company recourse loans was part of it and basically recourse loans means that you know you could be a selling beast but if someone's not buying it because they don't have the credit then you're not gonna get that sale right and right. so with the recourse loans everybody gets this copy machine you know everybody gets a sale and but when you're making two when you have sales of two million a month and you don't mind right now 200 grand in debt you know but then all of a sudden, market forces happen. Life happened. You know, steel company went out of business, insurance company went out of business, and loans get called, and all of a sudden you 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 lost it all. It was still a great company. 
It was still a good company, so much so that uh, the manufacturer, Minota, took it over. But he had to sign a non-compete and get out the market for three years. What are you going to do? But the butt lay on the couch. I mean, you, you've lost at everything. <clears throat> so he had, he had to turn it over after, after years of hard Bank work, up, yeah. and he was riding high, and very quickly it sounds like it, it, it all kind of collapsed on him. Years. Pretty quickly, okay. And then you, he lost everything. And one of the things, and he, well, I put a lot of that in the story. I mean, he came back. Three years, he, he went to another market in Toledo. Next thing you know, he got Campbell's soup. He blew me away. School district. And so as that three years, that pet man was back in Cleveland right. with 50 employees. I don't know how he did it. I, some of these people blew me away. But the part, the backstory in that is that, you know, I didn't add all, all the details. You, you're human. You know, I love telling stories about entrepreneurs, the backstories. I like inspiring people. And, and the bottom line is, if, I'm, if you ha at the top of the world, you're unstoppable one day, and the next minute you've lost everything, you you just face down the carpet until your wife is like, get up, man. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Are you you're serious? Right. How do you recover you know, from that? Or I mean, the, that's or the, a big blow. Exactly. Absolutely. Or yeah. the college bills keep coming. You know, right. you got to figure out a way to get back up some kind of way. You got bills to pay. Yeah. So good good partners, whether it be you know, whether it be a spouse or a business partner, are good for help to help from that standpoint. That's part of what we talked to the people about. And if you don't have a good partner or somebody involved in the business, you know, how do you celebrate the successes that you're doing? But if you have some tough times, you have a good partner. You can you, you can share the burden. And, Absolutely, and it makes it, it makes it much lighter. But I, I think you're touching on a big part of the entrepreneurial spirit, which is again, it, you get kicked around a little bit and get knocked down, but always getting back up. That's always part of the fun, and maybe get back up and reinvent themselves a little bit and try something different. Absolutely. But, you know, it's it's hard. You know, the, the the idea of for an entrepreneur to go get a job. Mm. It's uh, it's foreign to them, and you know, right. once people make that yeah. th that step, and they uh, even if they had a job to start with, and, and they leave, the idea, you know, some may dance with it here or there, but it's not real. Right. And they once you're kind of doing your own thing, it is almost impossible to go back to working for somebody else. Right. And so they'll do and reinvent themselves, and they'll, and they'll hustle around and kind of figure out ways to make it start to happen. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You, you do need time to recover. You know, at, at the end of the day. There's a lot of popularity now with, uh, and it, I'm guessing part of it was the outgrowth of, of uh, people probably reading articles like yours in terms of, you know, groups of owners getting together to kind of share stuff. Right. Almost kind of like a business therapy kind of thing where they get together and just you know, be open about stuff that they can't tell their their employees, their vendors, their customers about. But hey, if I'm in the room with you know with fellow owners, and we can all kind of open up a bit and really be honest about stuff, because it's hard for them to find areas to be able to do that. Absolutely. And we see it, you know, from day to day, sort of what, sort of what, what Jack and I do, you know, with the owners. They, they tell us stuff they haven't probably told anybody. Right. I mean, they may not even told their spouse about certain things, mm -hmm. but they're coming to tell us about it because they, they, they're carrying it around. I want, you know, I want to get it out there. That's, um, a, good, that's a good point. Did you uh, ever come across, I'm sure you have, what? Uh, somebody who has a business that was so bad, defined in many ways, but probably illegal, doing stuff that you just couldn't write about? <laughs> well, some things you just, you know, I don't know, you, you hear a lot. <laughs> and, then, and, and, and I remember one day, I mean, I, he, the mistake that I shared was a good one and a lesson learned, but then the backstory, it was a bit much, you know, talking about mafia and all that, what, you know. Um, I've heard a lot of backstories, you know. There was um, one, only one story that comes to mind uh, that was killed, and that was because the attorneys um, squashed it. And that was a, a story that was um, about theft, you know, in the workplace. It was a small um, cosmetic surgeon's office, and um, back to that trust issue, the the secretary was kind of robbing them blind and writing different checks and all. And so, 
I didn't exactly think that one out, one of my mistakes, you know, um, that it was, if it's a small, small farm and I'm telling you what city and I'm telling you everything and it's only five people in the office, you, you know, you kind of can't run that one. It's, that yeah. was legal yeah. problems. So yeah, we quashed that one. Good story. Right. I mean, it was a good, good lesson to be learned, well, but, it's, but it, it wasn't worth it. To, it happens a lot. It's one of the most, uh, I don't know if the right word is, but it's, uh, if tear jerking is the right word or not, yeah. but I mean, you know, we've had. Uh, probably half our clients, that, you know, we, 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 we've had hundreds of clients over the years, but probably at least half of them at some point have had somebody steal. Okay. Or they're aware of it. That's and a it's, lot. You know, they feel so violated. Yeah. You know, your point about the trust of stuff that happens and, you know, people will handle it different ways. Some are like, hey, I'm going after that person. I'm going to get them, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, not, not, they can't get the money back, but they want to sue them or they want to get on the record that this person's known and get, you know, get them thrown in jail. Other ones are just, you know, they're so embarrassed by it. They don't want right. to, they, 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 I just want to kind of move beyond it. Um, we've had some that you talk about, hey, well, gee, should I keep that person on? And we're thinking, what? what? Well, yeah, no, uh, some people yeah. have. Yeah. We, we have. Why? A because it's family? That would be family, their big brain. close friends that you could almost uh, construe to be family. Okay. And we, we as coaches, well, you uh, tell if they won't move and, and do something with that employee by getting rid of them or charge them with something, we just quit Walk them away. as a coaching client. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because they're gonna. That's uncoachable. And and yeah, you know, right. every every time. Everybody's not coachable. No. Everyone, <laughs> everyone is not coachable. That's, That's one of the dirty sure. secrets too. We thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we thought, we, I need we, to be we asking gave, you guys some questions. <laughs> we gave everybody the benefit of the doubt that people were, but we found out that that people aren't necessarily. We have uh, a fourteen point criteria that we check out on people. We literally we grade them. We give them a grade before we take them on. Are you trying to tell me that everybody's not a good client? No, oh, no, yeah. not at all. <laughs> uh, you know, we used to take anyone who would pay us early right, on. Right, right. But uh, we've evolved into uh, the point where, look, you know, we know what success is going to be like. And if you don't have this criteria, these criteria, you can't get a passing grade on it, it's not going to make it. Because all our contracts are month to month. Hmm. So, and most of our clients stay with us for years. And that's how this works. They literally grow with us. We grow with them. And the success comes. We know what it, that we, we know what success is. And so if they don't get a passing grade, we don't start with them. <laughs> you just reminded me of a story I did years ago. Um, a company, um, in terms of a, a bad client, it was a, a company called uh, Nasnati and Swartz. And they're a marketing company that had some, you know, been in business probably 10 years before they got the... Biggest client ever, Seagram's, you know, and they mm. only had 10 people working for them at the time. And so they were small, and so that was huge to get Seagram's um, as a client, beat a lot of major marketing firms. And it's not like they were slouches by any stretch. Imagine before then, they had clients like doing Progressive's annual report and those kind of things. But their mistake was taking on the client that didn't respect them. Um, mm, and that good. was, they didn't respect them, and they were in awe. It was a $4 million account. It was, that's huge. Big deal. Um, mm-hmm. But um, unfortunately for them, they had to actually fire that client within after two months only. Two beca- months. Uh-huh, right. And they'd only collected 200 grand in billings. But the reason was was because they were going to so many meetings in New York. And, you know, it's fun, exciting. And you're getting cases of liquor. You know, it's a good time, you know. And, <laughs> you know, sure. you know, it's got, you know, this is, you're in luxury hotels. And right. after a while, you're like, what? The meeting two days? I got this client. Right. They basically ignored. It would have crushed their whole firm. They were too small for that, you know, and it'd be one thing if they respected them and could work with them. But he's like, he's like, in the end, Marsha, it would be like, you, you people are just selling liquor. Why do we have to be in here for two days and hours and hours? And then you'd be in town the next minute for 
another brand of theirs, which was Tropicana. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, and in the end, you know, you're like, it's just juice still. <laughs> you know, like, so, I mean, they, that blew me away. That was a, a, a good story about every client is not the best client. Well, we, we, have to, we have to teach our clients mm-hmm. often to fire, fire their clients, oh, the yeah? bad ones, the ones who are abusive, disrespectful. Yeah. You know, totally disregarding their time and commitment, don't pay their bills. There's a lot of things that, that go into that. But basically, you aren't going to be happy. You aren't nope. going to be profitable. What in the world are you doing it? You and I could start a business tomorrow and get bad customers and lose money. Where's the challenge in that? Right. There isn't any. <laughs> well, kudos, kudos to them for recognizing that so quickly. Yeah, that was Most huge. folks won't do it. They, they, they'll do whatever, however. They, yeah. you know, people often say, that's, well, that's a good problem to have. You know, have having a big order like that kind of come in. It's, it's like killing the business. Yeah, and so the fact that they, they recognize it early, they're pretty unusual. That's we highly unusual. People, yeah, they'll, they'll kind of get into it. Well, we'll figure it out when we get in there and see how it kind of goes. So, <laughs> All right, stick around. We'll come back here for our, for our final segment with, with Marsha. It's going fast as, as it always does, but especially fast today with her in here. So stick around. We'll have more of Marsha Pledger when we come back. I'm Adam Sunhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We're business coaches, and we can help you owners of small businesses get unstuck from a state of how. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We're business coaches, and we can help you get unstuck. And Marsha is with us today, and she's telling a lot of stories about people getting stuck and we can help those mistakes that you do make. We can help you avoid them. We can help you work through them. That's what we do. That's right. So we're in, we're in our last segment here with Marsha Pledger uh, with the business reporter with Plain Dealer. We're talking about her, her long-running column, My Biggest Mistake, and How I Fixed It, and the, the book that came out of that as well, and the 450-plus entrepreneurs she talked to. So she shared some very good stories with us today. We want to hear a few more of those here before we have to, have to uh, end our show. And a couple of things we were, we were talking about during the break is, you know, we, we get stories, Marsha, that people won't believe. Yeah. You know, and they say, you know, people aren't really doing that kind of stuff. So I got to believe you probably had a few of those. Maybe you even chose not to write an ar- uh, write articles about people because, you know, it's, it's, this can't be. This can't be right, you know, in terms of what people are telling you. know. So you have any of those things where people kind of, you're telling somebody a story, maybe you're telling your editor about it, and they say, come on, Marsha, you know, that can't <laughs> be right. Yeah, that can't be true. You, you have any of those kind of stories? Um, for, the, for the most part, people... I wish I had more to tell you in terms of rejection of me, you know, that um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that more people read. I didn't have a problem finding good stories, you okay. know, but some of them were so crazy, you know, like every once in a blue moon, you'd have somebody say, you know, you just obviously a ploy for attention, you know, like, okay. you know, my only biggest mistake was I wasn't a, you know, didn't share how great I am as an attorney sooner. Oh, come on, really? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, like, you know, but I actually... That sounds like what an attorney would you know, say. Actually. Actually. Good well, you can't exactly write something that crazy, you know, right. but at the same time, I actually did write one story like that, um, and it only worked because he was an artist. So his mistake was, only one, um, his mistake <laughs> was not leaving corporate America sooner to become an artist. And right. it, it did work because you, everyone's heard of a starving artist. And, you know, now, I mean, he's won something like an American Greetings or some type of company like that, you know, and just not... What not trying to stretch? And the first time he tried to stretch, he didn't have the best art form. But now he's huge. He's international. I was in Hawaii. I saw his stuff. Really I mean, okay. it's it's Woodrow Nash. He's amazing. You know. So yeah, every once in a while, um, you know, something might sound a little crazy, but it's yeah, it's it's a, it's a hard thing for people to do. It's taking that step. You know, we talk about you're kind of on that ledge. You're looking down into the into the dark abyss. And if you if you take that step into you know being in business for yourself, 
you know, what happens? Well, you may go in that dark abyss, and it's not, you know, it's a two-foot fall, or maybe it's a bigger, who knows? But once you take that step, you know, but most people will talk themselves out of it, yeah. or they'll, they'll delay and delay and delay. And at the end of the day, you know, one of the things I learned early on in my career is that the whole idea of having a job is not as comforting as everybody kind of thinks, because people can end that job pretty quickly with no necessarily good reason to say, hey, gee, sorry, we have to let you go. Okay. Exactly. Then you're done anyway. So okay, exactly. So, and I, I think a lot of folks we've talked to have been kind of accidental entrepreneurs like that, where they've oh, kind yeah, of been. Oh yeah, definitely been about a lot yeah, of accidental yeah, entrepreneurs. Yeah, I've been kind of cut back here. This happened, but uh, but it's usually like, but hey, I always had an idea for this, or I've uh -huh. been kind of messing with this on the side. So it's it's a kind of kick in the butt that they kind of needed to kind of get them get them going, you know. So. But most people still don't want to share almost the big mistake. You know, yeah. I don't care if it's a happy ending. And I mean, it felt like I started my career covering crime. And not to sound like some old jaded reporter, but I'm just going to tell you, <laughs> when you cover crime and you've seen as many homicides and, you know, fatalities, just all kind of negativity, bank robberies, and the list goes on and on. Casino robbery, was, I was in Vegas, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, in the end, it felt like everyone started to sound alike. You know, like either um, you interview someone after a crime and then you go, you know, he was the nicest man, or <laughs> I always knew he was crazy. You know, it was some version of that. You know what I'm saying? And so, so similar to my biggest mistake, what I tended to get was um, when I asked someone to share, either if I wasn't totally rejected, you know, or like, you're crazy. Well, my, you think I want my neighbors or, or my people to know this? You know, if, if I didn't get totally rejected, I would get people to say, they would say, oh, wow, my biggest mistake. I don't know, I made so many. Which one? Or it would be so devastating that they would, you know, They'll know it off the top of their head. Yeah. But they didn't necessarily still want to share. They might go with their second right. or third biggest mistake because their truly biggest mistake might involve a best friend, you know, or a relative or something. So. Yeah, they want to protect the uh, yeah, not so start, innocent, they right? They start protect thinking about it like they never <laughs> have before, you know, real quickly. And so they don't want to come out with that, yeah could be devastating. I think it's, a, it, you know, it's, a, it's a tough question to ask. I think you know, my guess is, uh, you know, especially when, when you're writing, I'm sure you probably get it still now, people will, will recognize you in the column and kind of talk about it. I think people yeah. looked forward to seeing it, uh, you know, and, and, you know, had fun kind of seeing it. Part of it is, again, because they probably made a lot of the same kind of mistakes or versions of it so they kind of see themselves. So I'm guessing as you, as you kept writing it, it probably got a little easier for people to kind of see because cause you were cause it you, did you, get you easier, incredible. But it was never, um, the only mistake that I intentionally wrote about every single year was partners. Okay. And that's my, I don't know how you guys feel. You've seen a lot. Um, but for me, you know, it's like a marriage. You know, you probably see that person actually probably more than your spouse, you know, oh, yeah. in a business. You do. Yeah. You know, and so, and there are so many takes on partners' uh, mistakes, you know, so many. So that was the one. I just think that's one of the partners quickest. A usually, bad partner can yeah, kill a business quicker than anything. That's yeah. right. And partners usually have bad names. I mean, you know, people don't necessarily have good stories to say about partners. That's what we find. And so we stand out being. You guys you know, making it work? 15, 15 years. years. Uh, yeah. There's this thing people say. Longer than most people are married. You know what I'm saying? Right. People mm -hmm. say it's kind of like, like, like with your dog, you start looking alike. Same thing happened with the partners, right? <laughs> what do you think? We kind of start looking alike, Jack and I. <laughs> I had heroin he and I first started doing this, you know? <laughs> that's matching. <laughs> so, so, that's, that's what happened over the that's years, too. That's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> So it's suddenly you know you got a ton of fun doing it. You know, my point is, people probably saw you as being very credible, yeah. knowing that you had the right intention in mind. Because like, people are you know, often be suspect of somebody's coming in. You know, a reporter like, what are you poking around for? You know, what are you looking to do? You probably get a lot of credibility with people. That, that, that it did help after you do it for a while, but it, I the bottom line is, it's still hard to share. I had literally been doing that column initially. It was every week. Right. Um, and then it went to bi-weekly because I was doing other things and all. And it's, it's not easy to find people to share still, you know. And it's, um, and uh, I remember 
one, you know, I, I didn't even realize it, but a few years had passed, and I had, even though some of those businesses that I talked to were family, family-owned businesses, none of them would share a mistake that involved working with family. None of them. They would tell me about finance mistakes, marketing mm-hmm. mistakes, uh, growth mistakes, all kind of mistakes, you name it. But then finally I thought, I suck. You know, I got to get somebody to share a family mistake. <laughs> so finally I just made it a mission and I just started asking people, you know, are, you do understand. I was kept the problem going, but I was like, in, in, I was determined to do a series, uh, a month long series on family related mistakes. And I read the first guy I asked, he on a, a big. Uh, talent agency and his his company his um, employment agency and his father started 50 years earlier you know I um, mean it was a long time company you know and uh, so I was like hi you know Marsha Pledger business writer playing dealer blah 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 you know trying to build up you know t- have you heard of my column blah 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 and he's like yeah 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 uh, um, yeah 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 well just find your dad account that'll do it <laughs> <laughs> you got it I want to hear about that one right yeah okay. so that was not easy so I, I've, I've heard a lot uh, but you know, I think it does help, you know, because there's not many, as you know well, as, as a business advisors, there's just not many places unless where people feel comfortable enough uh, as a small business to share and learn from each other unless there's some, you know, chamber meeting or some, you know, some in-house, some kind of safe place. Yeah. And so that was an it's opportunity. It's the safe place. That's the key. Yeah. yeah. And it had to be hard for you. It had to, you know, to get people to own up to, to their biggest mistake. Yeah. I had one guy call me. I, I literally never got people to call me. Uh, I don't care how many entrepreneurs I interviewed. I probably got a few every year that actually someone actually called okay. me. I, it's, right. It was not easy. Um, but one day, one of those calls, uh, it's actually a friend now, but I didn't know him then, and he owns a big tech company, data center, in downtown Cleveland. And um, I remember he called me, and, and he's like, uh, hey, I want to uh, share a mistake if you're interested. You know, I, I got to tell you, I've been reading your column for years, but I always thought in the back of my mind, who the hell would say, share some of this stuff? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, Here I am calling you, right? Yeah, so he <laughs> called me, and I was like, but the only reason he called me because he was so upset about a mistake that almost killed his business, and he had, had fixed it, you know, and he, and he thought it would do some good to others. That's true. The work I think it comes from people want people want to help. That's one of the the, the the beauties and one of the things that Jack and I really love about the small business world. It yeah. has that heart and soul to it that you often don't see more in the bigger companies. And so I think it, it truly comes. People want to help out. Your point, if they're volunteering, even if they you know it wasn't a family story, anything to be able to kind of put out there. It's one thing to put it in a small group of friends or folks who you know, right. just kind of stay in that room kind of thing. Another thing to kind of get it where it's out in print, people kind of know about it, people can read about it. Even if they have a sense of it, also here you're kind of putting it out there. It's it's it's, it's well, the people do. don't want to be judged, you know. And you know, if you think about it, especially in this day and age uh, with social media, I mean, even we write stories and the the, the comments are horrible. You know, next right. thing you know, they're fighting with each other, they go off tangent, and it's ridiculous. So you gotta, you know, you gotta ignore that. But the bottom line is, you really have to have a greater purpose of sharing. <laughs> do you get a lot of comments from readers? Uh, yeah. No? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe we can do that for for another show. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end. We're we're All down right. to, we're down yeah. to the end of our show. We'd so love to have you. Have a very Definitely. very fast hour. Thanks for I having me. I appreciate you, you you joining us here today, Marsha. Um, for those of you trying to get a get a hold of us, or if you if you want to find out more about Marsha, I'm sure if you Google Marsha Pledger, that's uh, P L E D G E R, and uh, Marsha M A R C I A. Uh, if you can look her up, you can find out about her articles about about her book. If you want to get a hold of uh, Maximum Value Partners when we're not in the studio, you can give us a call at 877-849-0670 or give us an email at radio at MaximumVP.com. Okay. At Maximum VP, we work hard to keep relationships alive. That's we definitely fun. do. That's right. And we have fun doing it, too. All right. Learn more Dirty Secrets of Small Business next Monday at noon. Hey, thanks for listening on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, the new 101.5 FM, and online at wintradio.com.